I can't speak for the motivation around why someone would tell you that you have to be aggressive, you have to be these certain ways to be successful in business. But I can tell you, at the end of the day, if nobody wants to work with you or for you, then what does it all even matter? You know, again, just for me personally, how I make people feel is the most important thing to me as a leader. And obviously being able to set strategy and deliver on objectives and all of those things. But if you have that as your fundamental core that you come back to, like that's your center of gravity, you're going to build a team that's going to be able to do those things. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Goodwin, and I'm so glad to have you with me today as always. Thank you so much for your shares and your downloads and for being a subscriber. I love being on this voice journey with you, and I've got a great episode for you today. You know I always do. And I'm going to go ahead and just do my typical flip out over my guest. Let me just ooh and awe. You guys know how I do. I take such care in the guests that I pick, as you know, we've talked about it so many times. And I really love that so many of you have reached out and said, thank you for bringing us guests that it's not like you just randomly picked people. You really, we hear the care that you take in, in picking the guests. And, and today is no different. I, I have another friend from True North with me. Now, I don't know how long you've been listening to the show, but I guess about a year and a half ago, I had Will Tubal with me. He's from True North Insurance, which is one of my all-time favorite companies. I get to work with so many people over there. And Will came on the show and we talked about sales. But when I met my guest that I've got with me today, matter, I guess, I don't know how long ago it's been. It's been Maybe, maybe even before 2020, I don't remember. Maybe it was at the top of the chaos. But she's a leadership expert and an incredible leader. And I thought, you know, well, from, from just a couple of sessions in, with, I think it was like session three I had with her. And some of the things she said, I, I popped it into my mind. I said, yep, she will need to be talking to my people. And here we are months later because so much has happened, but I finally got her with me to have a conversation today. I want to just give you a little bit of background on her. Kim Lawfridge, she's an operations manager at True North Companies in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where she leads a team of account managers supporting personal and commercial product lines. She has extensive leadership and operations management experience, and over the last decade has led teams focused on operational excellence, and strategy, vendor management, and overall client experience. She lives in Cedar Rapids, Iowa with her husband, Bo, and two children, Jackson and Finley. I know some of you are in the work world and some of you are entrepreneurs. I don't know. I don't know all of you. I don't know. I couldn't even begin to pretend I know all of you, but I know that all of you, whether you are a leader or want to be a leader, you are leaders. 
if that makes any sense. So I know you're going to love hearing from Kim today. She's absolutely delightful and amazing. And even though I love everybody I work with, this one is super special. So let's head on over to the show. Kim, I'm so glad to have you with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so excited and honored to be on your podcast. This is such a good opportunity. So thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said in the intro, about three sessions in, we, I don't know if you even remember this, but we had some incredible conversation about the difference in leadership styles. I mean, it was one of my favorite sessions ever. And it was in that moment that I thought, yeah, I've got to have this gal come and talk to my people about leadership because it it really almost seems like a mission for you to be a good Mm -hmm. leader. Yep, absolutely. And I feel like you've been exposed to uh, several different styles of leadership. Yes. Right? So let, let's just back up just a little bit. Let's let's get a little backstory. I, I told the, the listeners what you do, but I want you to talk for a minute about what you do and how you got into this. I mean, how does somebody pick what you do? How do, how do you get into this line of work? Yeah, definitely. And right now, um, you know, being a leader in operations for risk management at True North, you know, my teams are based in Cedar Rapids, um, Central Iowa, Chicago, you know, and we partner heavily with our team in Colorado as well. And a lot of it is focused on personal lines insurance, small business insurance. So that's really kind of the business side of what we do and what my teams do. Um, but getting into insurance, you know, prior to coming to True North, I worked at a pretty large corporation for 10 years and right out of college, you know, was looking for more of an entry level job. Um, I started, I actually graduated from the University of Iowa with a degree in English. Um, So, you know, wasn't really even related to business or finance or insurance, but I got started and um, I was just a frontline call center rep. I was focused on taking inbound calls for our clients and, you know, through, I think some of the early behaviors, when I think about leadership and just really stepping beyond what my current role and responsibility was, was offered opportunities. And I took those opportunities and ran with them. So I spent about a year in the call center before I moved into a little bit of a broader role, learned a lot as part of that transition and was in that role for about another year before I was encouraged to apply for more of a formal leadership position um, at that company. And that was of a team advisor. And at the time, you know, I thought, you got to be crazy. I have never been in leadership. I've never had a formal leadership role before. Um, And it was actually in a different department that I helped support, but that I wasn't directly in at that time. Um, But I went ahead and applied, you know, again, capitalizing on that opportunity. And I got the position. It was about six months into that role when a supervisor position came open. And again, you know, kind of the situation where I was encouraged to apply and I thought, there's no way, you know, I've, I've only been a team advisor for six months, but I think just focus and dedication to leadership and helping grow and develop people um, for one reason or another, I stood out in that regard. So I did end up getting the supervisor position. And then I was in various levels of leadership in that department um, for about five years. And then I took an opportunity in a brand new Um, part of the organization, which was more heavily focused on vendor management, kind of a different 
style or, or interaction with leadership, a different flavor of being a leader and helping manage our third parties um, and, and those expectations around that. So my last three years at that company was in leadership in the vendor management organization. And I would say, you know, up until that point, um, I had had the fortunate experience of, of having really, really wonderful leaders, people that had made an impression on me because of how they made me feel, the way that they communicated with their team, the way that they provided feedback, um, how they talked through issues, how they kept their ear open for opportunities for growth and really made sure that their teams were given the opportunity to be part of those things for their own career development. There was just so many things within there that I had been fortunate enough to have really, really wonderful leaders. And I also say I'm fortunate in the last three years of, of my career at that company because I was um, exposed to a lot of different leadership styles, whether that was my direct leader or just the various different leaders that I was supporting through one of the larger initiatives for the company. Um, I got to see a lot of different leadership styles for better and for worse. Mm-hmm. And I realized within that time frame the impact that, and at the time I didn't know it. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to label it as the work that you do. But at the time, I really came to realize how important that is communication and voice and the way that you make people feel. Um, Hold on. I got to stop right there and highlight that. Let's just do a quick recap. Did you hear her? She said, the way you make people feel. And she has said it twice. And we're going to talk about all those leadership styles. Okay. Did you want to add anything else before I start firing off all these questions? No, I've, been, I've been writing off. down. I've been, <laughs> I've been writing. I've been grabbing so many nuggets oh, yeah. from what you've already shared with us. So let me just back up just a minute. Mm-hmm. So you never really, it was never really even on your radar per se that you were going to go into leadership is what it sounds like. Like Not that was just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It wasn't like, I want to be a leader. You didn't right. come out. Okay. All right. So you had some quick success, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And I want to, before we dive, we're going to dive into all this leadership and and a lot of things about leadership. But was I want to ask about that quick success real quick. Was that good, bad, indifferent? And, you know, do you have any thoughts for the listeners that have had quick success mm-hmm. and how to manage that? Because I I think that sometimes that can be a little overwhelming, right? Absolutely. And, you know, looking back on it now, initially, I, I didn't really think much about leadership. I had kind of just always approached things as wanting to be the absolute best that I could be, no matter what I was doing. You know, I think back to when I was a kid and I wanted to play whatever piano piece it was as fast mm. as possible without making mistakes. I mean, this goes back a ways <laughs> for me personally, yeah. but that's how it kind of started that I just wanted to be the absolute best that I could be. Mm -hmm. And through that behavior, it presented opportunities for me. And I think as I got into leadership, that's where it became more of a passion for me and why I pursued other opportunities along that path. Um, And I did have pretty quick success 
at, um, at the former company that I worked for. And the biggest takeaway for me from that experience was having confidence in the things that brought you to that place. Because I personally had a tendency to downplay my leadership skills. I thought, you know, I got promoted because I knew a lot about the process. I was offered a leadership position because I knew a lot of the business knowledge, the product knowledge, um, and really standing in your power. Some of those things that we've talked about and taking ownership and being proud of and confident in the skills that brought you where you are today and trying as hard as you can. It's a lot easier said than done to not doubt that and to make sure that you don't lose sight of what those core values are, no matter what circumstance you're faced with, whether it's, you know, the the inherent political issues that come up if you're working for a corporation, or even if you're just starting out in business and being offered an opportunity, really having confidence and faith in yourself. Because early on, I definitely um, had self-doubt in terms of why I had gotten a promotion at any given point. And so when I made that career shift, even within my former company, going from being a business and product and process subject matter expert, really, and then shifting gears into a space where I was completely out of my element and seeing how I excelled in that environment, I I really wish reflecting back that it hadn't taken excelling in a different environment like that for me to have that type of um, kind of self confidence in my leadership abilities and that I had had that and had confidence and um, really stood in that power much earlier on in my career. And that's amazing. And what I hear in that is literally what I talk about stand and own, get out of the past, get out of the future. And, you know, I just recently did an episode on what I, what I now refer to as a buffering mask. And, and we tend to buff, Oh, well, you know, no, I can't, I'm not really, I'm not really good. I'm not really, you know, all of these things because we, because the subconscious wants us to believe that confidence is arrogance. Mm-hmm. And so we just by default start buffering our brilliance when really it's a hundred percent okay to stand and own yeah. that brilliant. That is not arrogance. Arrogance is a whole, no, that's a whole nother episode. That's a whole nother thing, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, okay, so let me look at my let me look at my list here. Well, let's let's jump over to different leadership styles. And this is one of the things that I think was so fascinating to me in my work with you was that you had really been exposed to some I don't and I might be speaking out of context here, so so correct me if I, I want to say the word extreme, extremely different leadership uh-huh. styles. Now they maybe weren't extremely different. Maybe they were just different. Maybe yeah. they were the difference in nurturing versus um, you know, bottom line direct, you know, I don't know, but I want you to talk about the different styles of leadership that that you're familiar with mm-hmm. and and then and then we'll go into what's the pluses and minuses of all of them. Yeah, for sure. And I would say early on in my career, there was definitely more of the um, nurturing leadership style and there were elements within there. And when I say nurturing, I want to make sure I'm clear that that doesn't mean I wasn't challenged. It was 
any area of opportunity that I had or anything that was going to help me grow as an individual, as a leader, those were things that those leaders did challenge me to be a better version of myself. Mm. But they did it in a way that left me feeling supported and motivated and encouraged to be that better version of myself. And that for me was really, and again, I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time until I experienced different leadership styles where it was the communication style, one of the most brilliant people I've ever worked with. I mean, the intelligence, the business acumen, the strategy, the vision. I mean, one of the most brilliant people I've ever worked with and the ability to translate what was in their head into communication to their team in an effective way is really what was the biggest hurdle there because the tone, the approach, word choice, what was coming through in the communication and in that leadership style was not leaving people feeling supported, encouraged, motivated to deliver on that vision. And so I was fortunate enough to be very, very close with this individual. So I was able to have very candid conversations about whatever's in your head is brilliant, but we have to figure out a way to communicate that in a fashion that motivates and encourages people to deliver on the vision you're seeing for our department. And even when something comes up as far as providing feedback, feedback is such a critical piece of leadership. And being able to communicate feedback in a way, again, that leaves people feeling, not not to talk too much about feeling, but in my experience, you can have those difficult conversations. You can have the challenging conversations and you can deliver that feedback. But there is absolutely no reason, in my opinion, you can't do it in a way, again, that leaves that person feeling like you're in their corner and that you want them to be the best version of themselves. And that was really the difference maker for me in those two leadership styles where one was an absolute visionary, very brilliant, very focused, very direct. And being direct is not a bad thing at all. When you focus on tone and approach with your directness, I think you can have significant impact. But when that's missing, you're not going to get the results that you're really trying to aim to achieve. And those were kind of the biggest differences in those leadership styles that I experienced. I really love everything that you just said. This is so good. And and I want to highlight just a couple of things and dive a little deeper on them. I love how you defined nurture. Because I think that sometimes, and and welcome to the feel channel, Kim. I mean, you, you've worked with me. You know, I'm all like, like, it's all about feeling over here in voice land, right? Yeah. But people fear that. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people fear that nurturing means, oh, I'm being all touchy-feely or feeling. That means I'm like crying on the conference table. H- have you seen that, that there's a misunderstanding of what that actually even means to be nurturing. And so people go to this extreme and nobody's taking advantage of me and I'm going to, you know, where Mm -hmm. does, because I think that's what comes out of these wrong perceptions. So is that what you've seen that people think, well, gosh, you know, nurturing is, well, you can't do that. People will take advantage of you. Or is it more just who people are, you know? 
I think I, I haven't seen too much of, I've definitely seen the negative connotation around nurturing and feelings and all of those things. It was more so from kind of this very black and white, cut and dry business focus, you know, mm. leave your baggage at the door, Data. show up at work, get it done. Yeah. Um, and this idea that you want to help people work through the baggage that they're carrying around with themselves all day, every day, because that's human nature. You can't stop that from happening. So I would rather help someone work through it and understand it because that's going to give me better insight and context into who they are as a person and how they can be their best self in any given moment. So instead of shying away from those things and just focusing on, you know, kind of that bottom line, check your baggage at the door, how can you evaluate and get closer to what's driving and motivating your team to help them be better versions of themselves? Because everybody has a personality assessment, you know, everybody has a different makeup, everybody has a whole different context and background that they're bringing to the table every day and being able to narrow in on that to maximize their strengths and their potential. That's what I think is the power in that nurturing type of leadership style. Because again, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have the challenging conversations and you're not going to provide feedback. But if I can do it in a way where my team respects me and wants to actually act on that feedback, then I'm going to do that every time. And to me, that is the epitome of, if I were to ask you what makes a good leader, that would have been the sentence that I would have personally, you know, I mean, I never really was in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. So I think of myself as a leader, but a different kind of leader. But when I think of a leader, that's what I think of. How can I get the best out of you? Mm-hmm. In a positive way, not right. in a take advantage of way, right? Exactly. Yeah. And 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 what serves you and gets the best out of you might be totally different than the guy sitting next to you. Yep, exactly. And so a strong leader will find those those different nuances. It's kind of like voices. I mean, no two yeah. voices are the same, and coaching to no two voices are the same. We're all after the same result. Mm-hmm. So let, I want to back up just a minute and talk about directness. People think they're being direct. People don't think they're being direct. People are horrifically direct and don't realize, you know, what, what, there's so much value in directness and people either go to, this is my perception in the work that I do, but I want to hear your perception in the leadership space. People fear it or they get, you know, sometimes the pendulum can swing all the way to the other side and they're out of control with it. Or they think they're doing it and they're not. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I've seen a variety of those things, even within myself, truthfully, Mm. because I think people fear. um, I mean, ultimately for me, I think it does somewhat come back to people fear the unknown, which is that person's reaction to the Mm -hmm. direct thing that you're saying. And so in some of the conversations we've had and what we've talked about and not being in the future or the past, being in that present moment, and really trying to build a foundation of trust with your team that makes those conversations easier. But I've definitely seen where um, probably the most common is the last piece you touched on, which is people think that they're being direct, Mm -hmm. but they are not. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that um, was super effective in one of the challenging conversations that I had to have during the time that we were working together is the approach of asking questions. 
mm-hmm. because you really, you get a lot of benefit from that in the person, hopefully, and I, in, in my situations, it's worked out this way. The person ends up being direct in their responses and you're, you're pulling out of the individual instead of putting in their minds a certain you know, perception or, or a certain topic that you're talking about. Because if you're focusing on what you can control and asking questions, I've just found a lot of success with that type of approach because I can't necessarily control how they're going to perceive the statement that I make. But if I'm asking the right questions to get them to reach that conclusion and say it themselves, then they've had that understanding when they mention it in a response to a question. So I've definitely seen where people think that they're being direct, but they're not. Um, my dad is someone who um, is, I, I respect him so tremendously and he's had a lot of leadership roles in his career. And, and one of the things that he also um, had suggested as advice to me in the past was asking someone to repeat what it is they think you said, mm. right? And doing it in a gentle way, obviously, so that you're you're making sure that, again, focusing on how you want that individual to feel. But you'd be surprised the amount of times that you think that you said one thing, but they perceived it to be something completely different. Right. And making sure that you come to that common understanding so that when you leave the conversation, you're both on the same page. Yeah. And I think tone plays, voice plays into this massively because Absolutely. even like the, right, even the example that you gave about your dad, mm-hmm. one wrong sound and all of a sudden that becomes condescending. Absolutely. And then, you know, or, and Absolutely. it's not, I mean, that's just a perfect example, but there are a million examples. Yes. And, and what I found to be true is the minute we think we're being direct, but we're really not being direct, we're putting that emotion in the tone. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely, and, definitely. And, right, and then that's what causes the problems. Because I think that, you know, it's interesting to me, the number of people that say to me, I really want people to be direct with me. People, I think, really do value that mm-hmm. most people, not everybody, right? people really do want to know where they stand. Right. Absolutely. I know I do personally. And I think something else that um, has certainly been maybe more so in my subconscious, but as I've gotten older has been more prevalent in my thought process as I'm putting together a communication or in the way that I communicate is my tendency to, um, I think as women, there's a tendency to also shy away even more so from being what you'd think of as a traditionally direct person mm-hmm. because of some of the connotation that can come along with that. Sure. Especially in a corporate environment. And I think that building a reputation for yourself through the way that you communicate and approach situations and the way that you bring things up in those types of settings can certainly help you in that way. Um, you know, if you do have listeners who are young women trying to get into a profession of any kind or are really trying to find their own voice in maybe a male dominated profession, mm-hmm. it certainly does play a factor. And I think whether it's consciously or not, tailoring your communication so that you don't come across a certain way is something I know that I've thought about on multiple occasions. But finding a way, again, to be direct, to get across your message that 
has your listener giving you the result that you're looking for. And that all comes down to tone and voice and approach. And there are, you know, nothing against men, nothing against male dominated workplaces. There's no criticism here, but there are societal implications around women's voices that have been in place for hundreds and hundreds and Mm -hmm. hundreds of years. And then there's also perception reception that plays into it back to what we think we're doing. That's not what we're doing at all. Right. And really having the courage to, you said the words to find your voice. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I see this with the, with the younger women, you know, that's why I think it's so encouraging to have somebody you're young still, but you're not 22 uh, anymore. Well, I don't think you are, but you know, (laughs) these, these younger women and they, they, it's huge the strain that they feel in, in relation to men and in relation to superiors, whether they're men or women in finding their voice and being direct. And I find that the pendulum swings. We we, we go from so sweet and let me ask you to just roar. And there's a middle ground. And that's what I hear you saying. We've got to find. Yes. And I would say also as a piece of advice, um, when I think about some of, you know, I, I had, um, a coworker of mine who had been given some advice that I did not necessarily agree with. And, you know, you can take it for what it's worth, but this idea that as a woman in business, you have to be a certain way, you have to Mm. be more aggressive or more direct and and focus less on feelings. I think that that's Mm -hmm. also a big piece of being a woman. You know, if you cry or if you're showing emotion, those types of things and, and trying to be a little bit more guarded around that, but ultimately you have to decide the type of leader that you want to be. And I, for me personally, in that moment, the advice I gave this coworker was, I can't speak for the motivation around why someone would tell you that you have to be aggressive. You have to be these certain ways to be successful in business. But I can tell you at the end of the day, if nobody wants to work with you or for you, then what does it all even matter? You know, again, just for me personally, how I make people feel is the most important thing to me as a leader. And obviously, you know, being able to set strategy and deliver on objectives and all of those things. But if you have that as your fundamental core that you come back to, like that's your center of gravity, you're going to build a team that's going to be able to do those things. So for me, it was just realizing, find your voice, be confident in what that is, And you're the only one who can decide the type of leader that you want to be and what you want to leave behind. Yeah. And, and that, that was great. And what I, one of the things that you said in there, I I just have to, again, highlight is you said the word motive. And I really love that because I think that when it comes to voice and how we use our voice and how we establish ourselves, we have to check our motives. Mm -hmm. What is, you know, who am I? And of course, my litmus test is always, before I say anything, how do I want this person to feel? How am I serving this person? How am I going to serve this person? Yes. And that, and, and so oftentimes, and I don't know if you agree or disagree or what you've seen out there in the, in the world and all the work that you've done is sometimes the motives are wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I better be tougher because they're not going to listen to me if I'm not. And I don't want to be taken advantage of. That may not be a great motive. Agreed. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I do think I will say for me personally, one thing that I've had to check is, am I operating out of ego right now? Mm. Is my ego the one who's at the wheel today? (laughs) Because that is a very, very powerful thing. And when I take a minute to really ask myself that same question and decide how I'm going to approach a certain you know, situation or my tone or approach, whatever that might be, I really have to do some self-reflection on if it's my ego that's making me feel the way that I feel in that moment. Um, because that's kind of just for me personally, one that I know I have to kind of keep in check and keep the, the balances straight on that. For sure. That's great. That's great advice. Well, you've really been able to find a, a great style and a great balance, it seems like, in nurturing how you make people feel, yet being honest, being direct, being firm enough to get action. Would you say that's true? I think um, I, I don't want to come across as though I've mastered any of those things, <laughs> but I have definitely tried very, very hard. I think that yeah. there's always area for growth and opportunity. And, you know, especially as I've joined True North and been part of such a phenomenal leadership team. I mean, I just have been so fortunate and I'm just so glad that I made the decision I did at the time because the amount that they invest in their leadership is phenomenal and getting to see that level of support, um, the growth and development aspect of it, the areas where I do still need to focus, especially continuing to make sure, even though I may have, have nailed it in one conversation where I was the right amount of direct, I was the right amount of firm and I got the result I needed the very next day I could slip back, you know, and and have not a great conversation. So I think it's just that continual self-reflection and not seeing failure because I didn't always look at things this way, but not seeing failure as a bad thing, but seeing it as an opportunity to do better and to grow. And that's where, you know, feedback is just so critical and any element within there that you mentioned, trying every day to do my best and be a better version of myself than I was yesterday. And even just moment to moment using those as opportunities to grow. And, you know, just to speak to that, I I have the stuff I teach, I I created through my own research and I still mess up. I I still don't get it right every day. Let me, you know, let me assure you, I'm not over here doing it perfect and I'm teaching it, right? But one of the things that I think speaks volumes about this balance you have found, and I want to go back to feeling and the value of using your voice in the way you make people feel. And I want to say two things. I want to say something about that, and then I want to say something about the leadership of True North, and then I'm going to go in a different direction. You can ask anybody that knows this woman. You can mention her name, and they immediately, oh, she is amazing. And, and I'm not saying that to, to boost your ego. I'm saying that because to me, there it is. How did I make people feel? Did I make people feel supported? Not that everybody has to even love me, right? But did I make people feel encouraged and positive and where, the, where when my name is heard, they go, oh, loved working with her. Yes. Right? Rather than, oh, yeah, I know her. You know, I mean, to me, that's the litmus test in that this balance of 
how do I want people to feel and asking questions and taking a not, maybe not traditional approach. Maybe it is traditional, maybe it's not. And doing it a little different Mm -hmm. has exponential benefits. And I think if you look at the, you know, the, I, I adore true North. I adore everybody there. I adore the entire, everybody that I've ever worked with. And I've worked with everybody over there. But one of the things that I will say is one, the like, and you said it, and I just want to mention it again, because I think it's so important because I do believe that things we establish how we're going to be from the top mm-hmm. and the top at that company, one, absolutely invest in their people like no other company I've ever seen. No other company I've ever seen, you know, and two, they walk their talk. They do. You know, and I, I just, will, you'll, you'll have to go to fighting me on the top doesn't set the standard. Agree. Yep, wholeheartedly. I mean, and I, I, when I first joined True North, you know, they have, they also have such a reputation in the community for that, mm. for a wonderful leadership team, for an amazing company culture. And it's true. I mean, being part of this company, I just time and time again, am blown away by the way Jason leads, by the way mm-hmm. the executive leadership team leads, the leadership within risk management in my area. It's just all been very supportive, very collaborative and especially as somebody new to the industry, new to the company, it was definitely something that I was nervous about, you know, building relationships. I had been at my former company. That was the only career I had had since college. So making that change was terrifying, mm. but it's just been such a wonderful experience because they really do invest in their leadership and they do, they, they walk the talk. I mean, they walk the talk time and time again. I'm just blown away. Yeah. You've you've said a word a few times, and I've and I've got a note here to circle back to it because it, I think it's a big deal for people. And you've talked about giving feedback mm-hmm. and how valuable that is. And I think that there's a lot around feedback. I think a lot mm-hmm. of times people don't want to give feedback, or they don't know how to give feedback, or they have a lot of fears around feedback. And then we've got the people struggling to receive feedback. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about feedback for a minute. Why is it valuable? How do we do it? What do you think from a leadership perspective about feedback across the board? Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, um, I agree with everything you said about people's um, feelings around feedback and, and hesitations and concerns and just kind of the general crunchiness around the topic of feedback. Mm-hmm. And it does sometimes tend to have a negative connotation, but the reason I think it's so valuable when done the right way, when communicated the right way, is because, again, you're challenging people to be a better version of themselves. And ultimately, trying hand-in-hand hand with that to communicate the way that it impacts the team, the way that it impacts the department, the way that it impacts the organization. And if you as a leader have communicated common goals, common expectations, where the company is going and the things that they believe in, you can always anchor it back to that. And really, again, kind of what I talked about before in terms of building a foundation and trying to build trust with your team, um, it's not an easy thing to do by any means, but if you're able to get to that place, those conversations do tend to be easier because they trust and have a level of candor with you 
that is super important in that moment. But with feedback, you know, I think giving feedback again can be scary because you don't know how they're going to react. Yeah. And so a lot of times you're in the future trying to anticipate the things they're going to say. And that's where your tone, you know, when we worked through that one challenging conversation, Mm -hmm. that's where your tone really starts to come in because you're so focused on that as opposed to what is it you want this person to feel at the end of this conversation. And when I flipped my thought process around on that and really focused in on that, it was a lot easier to have that conversation. And, you know, I think when I think about receiving feedback, um, this for me personally does, I think, have a lot to do with ego. You know, that initial Mm -hmm. reaction of, ooh, I'm being told I'm not doing something yeah. the right way or the best way, or that I have something to improve on. And understandably so, I think it's just human nature to kind of have that initial um, pushback reaction because you want to protect yourself. You want to protect your your feeling. And I think it. I, I could even go down a whole rabbit hole with back to like very animalistic types of, you know, yeah. flight versus fight, fight survival, yeah, survival exactly. type exactly. stuff. Yeah. So you're trying to protect yourself from that. But a lot of times, you know, people, for the most part, what I, what I try to do with my teams, especially if I have new team members or if I have a new team altogether, um, initial conversations, asking them how they prefer to receive feedback. Mm-hmm. Just kind of having that conversation out of the gate um, has been super helpful for me because then I know what their communication style is. I know how they prefer to receive feedback so that I can tailor the way I'm approaching a situation in a way that I know is going to have a better chance of getting through to them in a positive way. And ultimately, I mean, I think back to the challenging conversation that I did have when we were working together, it was conveying the fact that I care about this person. Yeah. I care about you and I want you to do better. And I want to support you and give you the tools that you need to be successful in that regard. And that's how I found um, those conversations to be a bit easier and to end on a positive note when I'm again, <laughs> coming back to feelings. Yeah. How you're making the person feel. I know that's all I can think about. And yeah. as you're saying all of this, right. It's yeah. back to how do you want them to feel? Yes. Yes. Because they're far more likely. I mean, I know me personally, I'm far more likely to take that feedback, really do some self-reflection and implement what I need to, to do something differently. You know, if, if, yeah. if that's how I'm left feeling, because I'm not in a defensive headspace yeah. because of the way it was, you know, approached initially. And that's it. You said the key word defensive, mm-hmm. you know, if I, if I feel attacked, my subconscious isn't even going to hear you. I'm going to go into that fight or flight. And as you were talking about that, of course, I was obviously thinking about, yep, once again, how do you want people to feel? Mm-hmm. But, but then that led me to a thought of, and I don't know if you can answer this, Kim, because I don't know if you have, I, I would guess somewhere in your past, maybe you've been exposed to this or maybe you have thoughts on it, even if you haven't been exposed. But what could be going on in the mindset of the of the leader that is more tyrannical, that is more, this is the way it is, that is more aggressive, that is more 
demonstrative that is more personally attacking because I know they exist now, mm-hmm. not at True North, but I know they exist because right. I've worked with other companies where there was always that one guy or that one gal that everybody feared. Mm-hmm. Where I wonder where they're coming from. That's an excellent question. And I would say this has just been my experience that when I've encountered um, an individual like this in my past, they weren't even aware really of how they were coming across or the impact that they were having. In their mind, they were executing. So, Uh, you know, I'm not sure if it comes down to, you know, personality type or the sense of control Mm. and needing to feel like you've accomplished and executed on the things that you know you're ultimately being held accountable for. And also, I think that there was a degree of impatience with this individual. Okay. Um, their personality was such that they they had a hard time empathizing with other people who were not able to understand things as quickly as they did, were not able to execute on things as quickly as they did. So there was impatience. They had a, a, a big issue with empathizing with people Mm. who didn't pick up on things as quickly as they did. And I think that just all kind of culminated in more of a show of force to try to achieve the results they were looking for. And um, that's, that's kind of been my experience is that they didn't really realize how that was coming across or the impact that they were having or really the impact it was having on whether or not you actually achieved the results that you were so focused on getting. And, um, and that's kind of where, fortunately, being able to have those conversations with this person and, and try to help them see mm-hmm. that side of things definitely made a difference. But that could definitely be part of it in terms of empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, because I will say even early on in my leadership career, having been in the role that I was then supervising, there was a certain element where I knew I had been able to do X, Y, or Z. So mm-hmm. I knew it was possible. And I did have a hard time early on in my leadership career empathizing with people who had a different learning style than I did or a different pace than I did or anything like that. And Alex actually was the leader at the time who I was so blessed to have her as a leader at the point in my career when I did, because I was certainly helping coach and develop my team. It was more of like an internal struggle that I had. Thankfully, it wasn't anything you know outward that my team was feeling at the time because I would have been just, that would have broken my heart. Yeah. But In conversations with her, she asked me the question of who is this helping? You know, your your frustration with these individuals, who is that helping? And my response in that moment was just this kind of epiphany because I was like, well, nobody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not helping me. It's not helping them. And it's not helping the overall department. So empathy is a big piece. Empathy is huge. And I talk about it all the time. And and what I hear, there's, I hear so many good things in that, but empathy, and I certainly didn't mean to put you on the spot with that question. I just got to thinking about it. Where are these people coming from? Because there's so many people I've worked with over the years mm-hmm. that, you know, that's sometimes how they got here, you know, is they couldn't deal with XYZ guy or gal or whoever, mm-hmm. but empathy and perception reception. Yeah. They don't perceive, they're, they just push hard. This is the loop. Hmm. I'm not getting what I want, so I'm going to push harder 
and pushing harder repels. So they push harder and repel more and they don't even realize how they're being received. Yeah. And that's, there's, there's something else too within there in terms of, you know, that individual's scope of responsibility and other areas where they were ineffective. Um, and, and truthfully, through no fault of their own, it was kind of circumstance and what was trying to be accomplished at the time and really the setup of everything. But I think that's also something to, to think about is, am I channeling my feelings on outside factors into this moment, into this interaction with my team? You know, do I feel ineffective over here? I have no control. I'm ineffective. I haven't been able to do what I need to do. I do have control when it comes to my team and what we're responsible for delivering on. Am I projecting mm-hmm. and, and transferring some of that frustration into an avenue that I really don't intend to, nor would I want to? And that mm-hmm. kind of, again, being part of that self-reflection. Yeah, no, that's good. Okay, let me switch gears. What's the hardest part of being a leader? This is rapid fire, rapid fire questions. Here we go. (laughs) Um, The hardest part of being a leader is for me, folks that, because, you know, it's kind of inevitable that despite your best efforts and how you want someone to feel, for me personally, I value relationships very, very much. They're very important to me, building relationships, making people laugh, having that kind of camaraderie with my team. So if there's the the times in the past where I haven't been able to get through to somebody Mm. and I haven't had someone who had the willingness to be a better version of themselves, you know, that's something that I can't control. And it, it's still, I, I, I still haven't gotten to a place where I've been able to accept that and move past it. And I think that that's really, it's a very, very challenging part because you're helping other people grow and develop, you're leading people. And there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with that. And it's not all rainbows and butterflies. It's not all the really fun aspects of leadership. There's elements within there and especially pertaining to feedback where that's hard. It is hard to have a difficult conversation with somebody, especially when maybe they've gone through something in their personal life you know, maybe there's a lot of other factors at play there and you still have to have that conversation. Um, there's difficult decisions that you have to make as a leader. There's certain things, especially with change management. And again, it all kind of comes back to me, for me to feedback and helping people be better versions of themselves. It doesn't always go the way you want it to go or hope mm-hmm. it will go. Mm-hmm. And realizing that, you're not going to be able to please everyone, which is a hard one for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, not and not just you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that, that is, that's a big one for a lot of people, I think. Yeah. Even, you know, there's certainly plenty of people pleasers, but I think everybody wants everybody to be happy. Right. And it doesn't always work out that way. Right. But that's Okay. What's the best thing about being a leader or your favorite thing about being a leader? Oh, there's quite a lot. Um, my favorite things about being a leader, <laughs> um, you know, when you have that moment with somebody and, you know, I think back to, again, that example we had where 
I had had in my head that it was going to go a certain way mm. and it went the complete opposite in a very positive direction. And I just was, it's those moments where you've had a breakthrough with somebody where you've gained trust with somebody when you've been able to help someone step into an opportunity that was going to help them grow. Those are just, oh, it, it makes your heart sing as a leader to have those types of interactions with people, but then also just building team camaraderie. I mean, I think about the leadership team at True North and the brightest spots in my week are when we're having team meetings and we get to talk about things and hear from people and just get to know them on an individual level. Um, Those are really, really awesome things about leadership. And something that's also super enjoyable for me is being part of conversations around strategy and, you know, where do we want to go and what do we want to focus on? And then really thinking through all of the downstream impacts to that and being able to have a hand in where the organization or the department or the team is headed and also having a hand in communicating that in a way that people come along for the ride Mm. and managing change because human nature is to be resistant to change. Um, It can be scary, especially when you're very, very used to the way things have been. And that's kind of a, a difficult part of leadership as you work through change management, but being able to kind of have those conversations and those brainstorming sessions on where do we want to go and how are we going to get there? It's so exciting. So those would be kind of two, two pieces. Yeah, no, that's good. Now this might be, this might be too global because I know you can't speak for every leader and every leader is different, just like every voice is different, but as a leader, What do you wish frustrated employees or a frustrated employee knew about where you were coming from? Oh, that is a very, very good question. Um, You know, that you're not the bad guy or, you know, I mean, what what do you wish they knew in that moment when they're frustrated and they don't think you get them? And what do you wish? I think for me, it's I wish they knew... And, and truly felt that I have their best interest at heart, that I care about them as an individual and any conversation that we're having, I support you. I'm going to be here for you and I'm going to help you through this. That's my job. That's the, the most important part of my job. And so in that moment, if they're frustrated, whether that's a feedback conversation or you know something that we're changing that's been difficult for them, that would probably be the one thing I would say is that I hope that they would know and feel that I have their best interest at heart. Yeah. Because I wonder sometimes if, if we don't, and I think it's just human nature to get so caught up in our own want Mm -hmm. that we can almost that, that subconscious, that ego swings us to, they're out to get me. This isn't fair. This is, right. you know, we go to that extreme yep. and that's not always the case. There's always a backstory, right? Right. And also helping what I, I think being able to help them see the bigger picture too. Um, you know, there are times where, especially with change management, being able to articulate what's in it for them and the way that it is going to impact a bigger mm-hmm. picture for the team mm-hmm. or for the department that's a big piece of it too, because I think sometimes if you can break it down to an individual level of 
really what does this mean for you and help them see how it contributes to the direction we're headed um, usually is, is pretty positive in that moment too. Yeah. Okay. So if, if we had a megaphone to all the leaders in the whole world, whole free world, <laughs> what, what would be, what would you tell them? Maybe, maybe they're struggling, maybe they're not, but what, if you had one or two pieces of this is in this moment, what your keys to success are in leadership, mm-hmm. what would you share if we had that megaphone? I would share that everything is a choice. And part of that choice as a leader is choosing positivity and choosing to approach things with empathy and understanding. And if you can try to do that, you are going to inherently focus more on how you are, how, like how your people feel in the moment when you're communicating with them. And I think that's just such a big piece of what I've learned over the last probably three to four years of my career is if you can approach those situations, assuming positive intent and make positive choices in the way that you communicate your tone, your word choice, your approach, and really truly in the moment, stop and think to yourself, how do I want this person to feel when they leave this conversation? It's just so, so important to building trust with your team and ultimately building a team of people that are going to go to battle. They're going to, they're going to deliver on things. They're going to have open communication and they're going to be honest with you. Um, and it's a lot easier said. <laughs> than right. done. And there's just one other piece that I wanted to add. I really do wish earlier on in my leadership career that I would have had like this work with you would have been so beneficial because at this point, you know, I've been in leadership for probably eight or nine years and having this type of focus early on in that leadership journey, I think would have just made such a positive impact and such a difference. I'm glad to hear that. I, you know, I think this work is, I think this is the work, Yeah. but you know, it's mine. So of course, <laughs> so of course I feel that way, but yeah, because nobody's out there teaching us hey, your tone, you know, here's a problem with your tone and this is how you're being processed subconsciously by your listener. They're not teaching that in school. They're really not even teaching communication in school. Right. You know, so I'm going to agree with you 100% on that one. (laughs) Well, Kim, this has just been great. This, I know I'm going to have to let you go because I know you're going to have to go back to work, but I I tell you, if that insurance thing doesn't work out, I got got a spot over here for you because you're talking my language. (laughs) Well, I just, I appreciate so much you having me on your show. This has been an absolute blast. Yeah, no, it's been great. It's been great to see you and have this conversation. And I appreciate you leaving so many great nuggets for for our listeners. Do you have anything else you want to, any last minute tips that you just thought about or any last thought? You've given us so much. Nope, just... Choose positivity. It's a much, yeah. much better side of the coin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that feeling nugget that she mm-hmm. dropped all day yep. long. This is great. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, listeners. As always, I really do appreciate you. But I'm going to wrap it up for today. And until I see you next time, you know what to do. Get out there and speak your truth. Just do it beautifully. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at CaptivateTheRoom.com and be sure to grab the voice formula. 
a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. 